from GreenBiz Group, welcome to Center Stage, the best of live interviews from GreenBiz events. I'm Joel McCower. We are mapping, measuring, and modeling the 100 most substantive solutions to climate change that exist, that we're doing, we know how to do it, we have metrics, we have the science, we have the economics. Um, and what's fascinating about that goal for us is it's never been done. Paul Hawken is a writer, author, activist, and entrepreneur, and executive director of Project Drawdown. He spoke with me at the GreenBiz 16 conference about his efforts to catalog the top 100 solutions to climate change that could actually draw down greenhouse gases, not just limit them. Let's listen in. Paul, you've been uh, on so many journeys since I've known you 20 plus years and, and, and working as you did with, with Ray Anderson at Interface and, and just you know, showing so many paths down which all of us or many of us are headed and uh, all of us can see. Your latest one is, is this uh, just fascinating project called Project Drawdown. Give us the elevator pitch. Uh, yeah, Drawdown is, um, the term means the first time on a year-to-year -year basis where carbon, uh, CO2, and greenhouse gas equivalents actually go down. And the first purpose of Drawdown is to name the goal. Uh, two degrees is not a goal, it's a measure. Um, one and a half degrees is not a goal. Stabilization is not a goal. The only goal that makes sense for humanity is to bring it back home. Otherwise, we're not going to be here. And so what you see right now is by calling for two degrees as a goal, uh, it's sort of like saying we're in a car, we're going 60 miles per hour, and it's going to go over a cliff at some point. And we should all slow to 40 miles per hour. It'd be much better. It's not better. <laughs> It's just, it's the same cliff, and we know what's on the other side of it, or on the bottom of it. So that's the first thing. Second thing, what we're doing is we are mapping, measuring, and modeling the 100 most substantive solutions to climate change that exist, that we're doing. We know how to do it. We have metrics. We have the science. We have the economics. Um, and what's fascinating about that goal for us is it's never been done. I'm going to say it again. Google it. Try to find it. 50 years of concern about climate change, and no one has made the list of the 150, 75, 60, you name it, most substantive solutions to climate change that we can do because we are doing it. And then what we do with those solutions, because they're all scaling, they all exist, is we then model what would happen over 30 years if they continue to scale at a rigorous but reasonable rate to see if, in fact, humanity can achieve drawdown in our lifetime. And I can tell you tentatively the answer is yes, within 27 years. So if we use these 100... We are doing them. These are things that are already Yeah, being we're done. doing them. The question is, will we scale them sufficiently at a rate of growth that will allow us to do that. And they're all scaling now. Not one of them is sitting there by itself wondering if anybody will pick it up and do it. They're all scaling. I wonder why no one had done the math. What led you to down this path? 
Oh, well, what led me down the path was in 2001 when I read the third assessment, the IPCC, and it was like, you know, you have to parse these things because they go, here's where the Saudi Arabians came in, here's where the Russians came in, here's where <laughs> China, you know. There's no such thing as scientific consensus. Science doesn't like consensus. So when you get 2,500 scientists doing consensus, it's going to be really watered down. So when you read an IPCC summary, you have to sort of parse it and figure out what, they, what do they really mean. And you know it's worse than what you're reading. That's okay. But that same year, Princeton came out with the Carbon Mitigation Project and had the 15 famous wedges. Sokolov and his wedges. Yeah, yeah. Sokolov and Pakula. And I read that, and that's when I got depressed. I wasn't depressed by IPCC. I was depressed by the solutions. Because we had to build a wind farm like every 20 minutes uh, just well, to, for one of those wedges. Yeah. I mean, there's energy and utility companies here. Look at nine of them could only be adopted by the boards of directors of large energy or, or utility companies, and every one of them was underwater financially yeah. at that time. So that meant the boards of directors had to approve something that would be fiduciarily irresponsible. Good thinking. Like, one of them was to make hydrogen from coal with CCS for a non-existent hydrogen infrastructure and to take the liquid carbon and put it in an Ohio salt line. That is not a solution. I, we still aren't doing that. And why would we? And two of them were for car companies and appliance companies, large ones. One was to convert one-sixth of all cropland to biofuels. Really bad idea. And and then there was wind and solar, great, and one was drive less. One, so, was, one was end deforestation. Yeah, end deforestation. But I mean, they were just, they were like, where do I fit in this? You know, where does a city fit? Where does a company fit in this? That, you know, just not an energy or utility company. Where does it, what can it do? What can somebody who runs the school district do? What can, the all was missing from these so-called so wedges. And then McKibben wrote that great article. He did, and global warming's terrifying new math, and that was based on Mark Campanale of Carbon Tracker. Right. And he had, he's a financial analyst, and he analyzed the balance sheets of, of uh, oil and gas companies and just said, wow, you know, they have on their balance sheets assets that are unburnable, because if we burn them, the company itself won't exist. So, and, and he did the math, and then what Mark said is Bill turned that math into poetry, and he wrote this article in Rolling Stone. In Rolling Stone, July 2012. But the thing about the article was it just scared the pee out of people. And I have friends who've been activists for a long time, and they were like, oh, S-H, you know. I mean, just, whoa. And literally, really effective activists who are saying, oh, I'm just going to go build a cabin in the Squamish Valley and be seen. <laughs> Yeah. Game over. Game over. Right. You know? And that's yeah. when I decided to do Drawdown. Because I had been asking people in 2001, 2, and 3, uh, big NGOs, environmental NGOs, said, let's do it. And they said, we don't do that. Good idea. And, but we just don't do it. You know? And I asked, actually, EDF, NRDC, Woof Woof, and I asked them, and said, come on, let's do it. Uh, so, so talk a little bit about what you're doing now. You're building out these, uh, these solution sets that exist, that need to scale, you're creating the, you're doing the math about what, you know, what part of that they can, that, what part of carbon can draw down so that we achieve ultimately in aggregate some level of drawdown. Who's doing the work? What's the output? How do we all benefit from this? Well, what we just, what I decided to do is to have a coalition of people so it's not personified. It's not a plan. It's not a proposal. 
it's 271 people now are part of the coalition. They're scientists, botanists, biologists, climatologists, geologists, teachers, professors, writers, artists, politicians, spiritual leaders, students, uh, senior fellows. They're from, I think, 30 countries around the world. So that when you see the book, when it comes out in the spring of 17, you have the back cover, there's 271 authors. And it's really important that this be we talking to we. It's not somebody's idea of what we ought to do or should do. We're not going to follow somebody's plan anyway. And every time we do, we get in trouble. So let's be honest about it. So this is a reflection back to the world of how brilliant we are. Not how stupid we are, not how numb we are, not how we're bringing up the rear. And we get from the media this idea that somehow we're not on the case. We are on the case. And humanity is brilliant. And this is not being reflected back. So that's what Drawdown is attempting to do. And so not only do we the solutions, but then we have what's called coming attractions. And coming attractions is really this brilliant technologies and solutions that are, exist, they're validated scientifically, in some cases economically, actually most, um, but the, we just don't have the metrics and the experience with them to put them in the solution set, so we call them coming attractions. And when you see that, you go, we can do this. We so, really can. So how does this... There are. So, you know, books rarely change the world. Few of them have. Yours have, uh, you know, your uh, College of Commerce changed uh, uh, Ray Anderson and, and many others' world. Uh, but at scale, we, that's hard to do. Yeah. And so how is this going to, what, what do you do with this uh, project once it's a book in the spring of 17? Well, it's a book, but it's also a website. It's Drawdown Interactive. All the models uh, can, are open source. All of them can be downloaded and taken by anybody for their own NGO or company uh, and be reused and repurposed. All the information is completely transparent. Every input, assumptive or citation. Uh, so we're not even trying to say we're right. What we're saying is, we've done the best we can. This is the group of people who created it. But you can go right online and say, you know, like what Peter Bick was talking about, it's like, I actually think that the carbon sequestration rate for you know, amp grazing is 115 you know, uh, grams per square meter per year instead of 85. Okay, fine, put it in. Boom, you can see exactly what impact that would have. Uh, but we have not just one, we have 17 land use solutions. And really, when you come right down to it with climate, you have to stop putting it up there, right? That's number one. And that's done by changing out the energy source and efficiency two ways and bring it back home. That's it. That's, that's it. And the best description I know is really that famous American scientist, Matt Damon, at the end of Mar at the Martian. Remember when he's there and he's got a little gray hair, you know, and he's like this, you know, hero senior thing. He's going to this class of newbie astronauts. And he said, you know, space is unforgiving. Well, we could say same for the atmosphere, right? It doesn't know what we think or do. It's just the atmosphere. And, um, and that when you go up there, you're going to reach a point where you're going to hit the wall. You think you're going to die. You're going to hit that point, And you think you're going to die. And he says, at that point, you have to do the math <laughs> and solve one problem and solve another and then another, and if you solve enough of them, you get to come home. And that's exactly what Drawdown's doing. We're doing the math. We've done the math on what's going to happen if we don't act. Exquisite math. 
we haven't done the math on what we are doing in acting in terms of solving the problem. So give us an example of uh, one of the solutions that is kind of surprising to you that, that be relevant to this audience, or something that uh, can happen in, in some companies that you didn't expect would have such an impact? Well, what's relevant to every woman in the audience is that one of the solutions is educating girls in the developing world. So explain how that specifically draws down carbon. Sure, because girls in the developing world are withdrawn from school pre-puberty because there's not a latrine or they're embarrassed or they're going to be married off for a lot of cultural reasons. If they can stay in to 10th, 11th, 12th grade, uh, the, the, the birth rate drops from 5 to 2. And their daughters also are very different in terms of, so it's reproductive rights and knowledge and education. Of course, there's all these cascading benefits from it besides that. We just measure the impact of three people who don't exist and, you know, because she chose a different path. And so that's the solution. When you look at the climate Help me understand that, because yeah. it, it that feels like carbon avoidance. Where's the drawdown piece? Drawdown comes what Peter talked about is from biosequestration, photosynthesis, there is no other way to do it. We can do CCS and waste, it's like putting money in a dark hole, but why do CCS when we have basically a whole planet that does it every year? If you've seen the NASA video of carbon emissions, some of you may have seen the CO2 emissions, and you watch it, we do drawdown every year on this planet, five to six ppm. Do you know that? We draw down every year. The problem is, that there's this inhalation drawdown by photosynthesis right. in the northern hemisphere, and then in the winter, there's a natural you know, respiration, we exhale, but also there is our gaseous emissions from fossil fuels. Uh, I, was actually, I was asking how the female empowerment and education actually draws because down. Because there's voided emissions, right? And so, so oh, I see. Yeah. There's less that, has, that naturally... Naturally would occur, yeah. Would occur. Okay. Because what we're working against is the business as usual scenario which is IEA, uh, IEA and IPCC together, and it's basically 505 ppm by 2046, you know, so, I mean, we're at 400 now, and by that time, the annual ppm increment would be 4.54 as opposed to, I think, 2.36 this year. So, I mean, it is a huge jump in emissions, so we do measure behavior and activities that will avoid those emissions. Uh, uh, absolutely, that's part of the scenario of measuring how to achieve drawdown. Another example that might be part more directly in company operations? Well, there is a company, a publicly held company that's going to come out in the spring that says our purpose is to reverse climate change. And one of the things, they're a manufacturing company and they don't farm and they, you know, they don't um, and they're looking at how they build their factories. They're going to build their factories like forests they're going to build their products and they're going to sequester CO2 to build their products. Um, but they're looking at their whole supply chain in terms of really how they can be net positive as opposed to just reduce their emissions. Reducing emissions is slowing how fast we go the, over the cliff. Bringing them back is turning the car around and going the other way. And so, but I would say what we see is surprising in terms of the data. We're doing the math. I have biases, we all do. I think this is gonna work, this won't. I think this is better. Uh, I was so wrong, by the way, which I love because it means the math is the math as opposed right. to. And I would say that if you had gone to Paris and gave somebody a piece of paper and said, write the top 10 solutions to climate change, 
not in order, just, you know, nobody would have got it right. Nobody, including me, by the way. Yeah. Let's take a question or two. Lauren? Yeah, we're getting lots of questions, sort of encouraging how can businesses get involved in the work Drawdown is doing? Well, one thing they can engage with us and join the Carbon Council and, um, and be with other companies that are trying to figure this out so that companies learn best from companies, in my opinion. And they learn, you learn best from each other. That's why you're here. And um, so the Carbon Council for Drawdown is to bring companies together, not to us, but us as the same you're doing, which is to coalesce them in a, in a manner so that they can learn how to uh, reverse climate change and to draw down carbon. What does it take to be a member of the Carbon Council? Oh, just a small amount of money and your name. And <laughs> they, you don't have to, but we like money because we're a nonprofit. So, yeah. but uh, we have we have Dell and we have Akamai and we have uh, Interface and we have smaller companies, Guayaki, Dr. Bronner's, and 18 Rabbits, and we have uh, Intuit. So I mean, it's a it's yeah. we, we want the small and the large. We just want people who care. Yeah. Another question, Lauren. Yeah, also several questions about how you're thinking about the policy scenario we've been talking about. Like, would you give a certain grade to the Paris Climate Talks? Or Yeah, I give an A-plus on intention and a C on how, or a D, really, because nobody came out of Paris with a, a plan of how to achieve it. Well, you talk about uh, naming the problem, and one of the terms that was the incantations of Paris was about low carbon economy is that what do you think of that term that's really upside down and backwards we want a high carbon economy we want to bring it back home we want high carbon everywhere in our bodies and our soils in our forests it's we want to recarbonize this planet not we don't want to decarbonize that term is upside down and backwards it's just that that carbon isn't where it belongs it came from the earth it wants to come back here and it comes back here it produces healthier forests lands better watersheds healthier crops healthier animals healthier people uh, and so, really, low carbon is not the right word. It's high carbon. We want to bring it back. Carbon is a gift. It's our ally. We're carbon-based life forms, um, and uh, it's not our it's not our enemy. Just in the wrong place. But in policy, the question about policy is a good one. We think great policy is is driven by great data, and bad policy is driven by ideology. So what we feel is that workers supply data that shows that these solutions are impactful. They have ancillary second, third order effects. There are no regrets, which is when you look at the list of solutions, you say, let's do it anyway. If no climate problem existed, we would want to do them because of all the benefits they have. And they pencil out. In other words, they have a positive financial return. And so for terms of policy, what we're trying to do is in provide the kind of information that is peer reviewed outside expert reviewers impeccably researched so that policy makers, whether they be on a local, city, municipal, state, provincial, national, or international level, can use that information. To Will make any of the hundred solutions be policy solutions? No. No, because you can't measure a policy solution. Fair enough. <laughs> um, so at the end of the day, you know, this started off with a, a fearful moment, the, you know, Climate change fr changes frightening new math. Is are you more hopeful now? Do you does this lead? Can you give us a, a renewed sense of hope that this this is something that seems so impossible is in fact possible? I, you know, I'm not hopeful. Um. <laughs> okay, <laughs> have a safe trip home, everyone. Thanks. Uh, 
I have uh, one more thing to say, uh, because hope is the mask of fear. Hope There's no hope unless you have fear. fear. And what I want us to be is fearless and be human beings and know that we can do it. And heck, hope, screw that. We want to be fearless and smart and brilliant, and we are, and I just say, let's do it, instead of being hopeful, which is kind of a passive position. Well, in spite of all <laughs> that... Inspiring is different. I'm inspired by what people are doing. In spite of all that, I am a little more hopeful. <laughs> but um, but uh, you have... I also am more inspired, and, and that's something... That's the gift of Paul Hawken that keeps on giving, that you've been giving uh, for so long, uh, inspiring us to think... to look at the world differently, think about what's possible differently, uh, in our lives, in our businesses, and in, in our communities. And, and I think the promise of Drawdown is unbelievably powerful. Just the fact that we can rethink that, you know, it's not about stopping climate, it's about, it's about re, repatriating carbon, about, about drawing it back down to where it belongs and in, in, in getting to where we all want and need to be. You know, and the thing about Drawdown as a, as a goal is that actually, just like sustainability and was spoken about earlier, it actually expands creativity, it expands imagination, it expands innovation, it opens things up. It's a great for morale and esprit de corps as well, but it actually, what we're seeing in the companies that are adopting it is this tremendous sense of opening as opposed to like zero and less and, you know, but what's going to happen, you know, we're yeah. just doing our part rather than that. It really has a tremendous impact in terms of human capacity to reimagine the world. And that is what we're doing, is reimagining what it means to be a human being on the planet at this time. And there's no reason that we cannot create a society and a culture and an enterprise system that's just as life-giving as everything we see outside. Please join me in thanking Paul Hawken. You've been listening to Paul Hawken of Project Drawdown in conversation with me at the Green Biz 16 conference. For more Center Stage podcasts, go to greenbiz.com slash center stage. And while you're there, tune into Green Biz 350, our weekly podcasts covering the news and the people behind the news in sustainable business and clean technology. For all of us here at Green Biz Group, I'm Joel McCower. Thanks for listening. <laughs>